Uh, look, it's good to have you uh, join us for the Word today. I'm really looking forward to sharing with you a little bit about what God's put in my heart. Um, I want to share with you something that is really passionate inside of me. Um, you know, it kind of fits into the vision of Unihill Church, especially with what we want to do with regards to 2023. Charles has been talking a little bit about what our focus needs to be for the rest of this year and obviously beyond. But we want to focus on three key aspects uh, in this house, and that is uh, to grow deeper in the Word, uh, to know God's call for our life, and to also be on board with mission. And out of these three things, I want to talk about the first one. I want to talk about the Word of God and how important the Word is to our lives. If we're going to grow in spiritual maturity and serve Jesus, we need the Word of God. So I'm going to share a few things uh, from that today. Um, you know, it was only just a few weeks ago that we kicked off our deeper course. And, um, you know, it, it, it was fantastic. You know, Jasmine led us in a study on the Trinity and, um, you know, look at the Bible, what the Bible says about God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. It was a wonderful time. I think a lot of people were encouraged with that. But can I share a little bit of inside information? Uh, at the end of last year, Jazz and I were sitting down kind of organising this course and especially the first session. And we said, you know what, if we can get like 20, 25 people to this thing, that's a win. You know, that'd be a great turnout. As it was, nearly 100 people turned up that first night and uh, 85 to 90 people, somewhere around then, you know, walked into the cafe, Bible in the arm, getting ready to study God's Word and that is exciting. For a church this size, that's phenomenal. And it tells me that God is up to something. It tells me that God's working on people's hearts. He's given people a hunger for the Word of God. And I'm wondering... Maybe some of the reason why that is, you know, apart from God just moving in people's hearts, is we're looking at the culture today. And it's very unstable in many ways. You noticed? Very uncertain. Everything's changing. Everything's shifting. Everything's subjective. And people got nothing to stand on. It's like, how, who can we trust these days? And maybe we're thinking, hey, we don't want that in the church. We need to stand on something that's strong, a foundation that's strong, something that's reliable, not like shifting sand. You know, it's like building a house on a rock, not building a house on the sand. And I think we need that. And I think maybe that's why God has given us a hunger for his word, because that's exactly what the word is. It's a firm foundation that we can build our lives upon. That third song that we sang today, it said that. His word stands firm forever. We can stand on the word of God. In fact... Um, this verse up here in Psalm 119, it says, uh, Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. So God's word is reliable. God's word can be trusted. And we need his word in our lives. And that's why I'm really looking forward to sharing this message with you today. Uh, I've put a title on this sermon. It's basically just God has spoken. God has spoken. And guess what? He continues to speak by his word. So how about we pray and we'll get straight into it. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that you're here. Father, we are so thankful that you poured out your spirit and your presence is with us. And Father, we thank you that you led us in that time of declaration and praise through Kylie, Lord, and, and everything has been moved so beautifully because you're here. But Father, right now we, we ask that you will be honoured, your word will be honoured today. Father, open up our hearts that you may do something beautiful. 
and that we may be changed from the inside out. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you look up on the screen there, uh, you'll see a picture of a man by the name of Brother Yun. There's a book called The Heavenly Man. Who's read this book? Charles mentioned a few weeks ago, he kind of referenced it in a sermon that he did. And it's an incredible story of this man, Brother Yun, who's a a leader in the house church movement in China where it's persecuted. And if you have not read the book, I encourage you to go get it. It is so inspiring. It's amazing. Uh, But this was a man who was hungry for the Word of God. Absolutely hungry for the Word of God. At the start of this, uh, the book, he basically tells a story about when he first encountered God. He was 16 years of age and his father got cancer. And uh, they lived in a very poor village because there wasn't much that they could do. All they could do was pray. So the family gets together around his father and they pray for God to heal him. Well, as it was, God miraculously healed him. No trace of cancer. And everybody was blown away. It was like this mini revival in the house that kind of flowed out into the village. And Yun sees his father being healed and he says, if God has done that, I want to follow God. And so he speaks to his mum about it. And his mother says, well, the person who actually healed God, uh, healed your, your father is Jesus. He was God's son, came to earth, died on the cross. And his words are written in what we call the Bible. And Yun was saying, well, Can I read this Bible? Where do I get a Bible I can read about the teachings of Jesus? His mother says, honey, we have not got any Bibles in the whole village. Because it was at a time where it was hard to get Bibles in. And if you did have, um, if you were found with a Bible, the authorities would come in and they would burn the Bible and they would beat the whole family. There was persecution in that village. So his mother says, we haven't got any Bibles at all, Yun. But God put a hunger in Yun's heart. He says, I must have a Bible. I need to have a Bible. His mother says, okay, Yun, there's an older man in the next village who's a pastor. How about we go speak to him? So they make their way to the next village and they spoke to this pastor. He opens up the door and they say, look, I understand you. You've been a pastor. You have a Bible. Can I please just look at your Bible? Now the pastor's getting all fearful. He holds it to his chest, says, no, you, you can't. You can't look at my Bible. Because he just spent 20 years in prison for his faith and he didn't want to take a risk with his kid. So they said, please, I need to look at that Bible. He says, son, if you want a Bible, you need to pray to God for one and he'll provide one. So Yun goes home, 16-year-old, every day prays, Lord, can you please provide a Bible? Very short, very simple, but very earnest. He prays every day for a, a month no Bible. He goes back to the pastor. He says, Pastor, I followed your instructions, but there is no Bible. Please just let me look at your Bible. Just open up the pages. Let me read it and I'll walk away a happy man. And the pastor said, son, if you really want a Bible, you will not just pray, you will fast and you will weep. So Jung goes back home and he prays and he fasts and he weeps for a Bible. 16 years of age, he's doing this. The only food that he had to eat was a a small bowl of rice in the evening. Every other time he was in his room praying and praying. He did this for a hundred days straight. And one day when he's praying, God gives him a vision. And I won't go into all the details of the vision, but basically there were two men in this vision who came to Yun and they gave him a red bag. He takes the bag, he reaches into the bag, he pulls out some bread. And he's thinking, oh, I'm hungry, I need some bread. So he grabs hold of the bread, puts it in his mouth, but when he pulls it out of his mouth, it becomes a Bible. And then the vision vision stops. 
Not long after that, he hears a, door, a knock on the door, goes to the door, opens up. The exact same two men that God showed him in the vision were standing at the door. And they give him a red bag, reaches into the red bag, pulls out the Bible. And he looks up and the men walk away. God provided him the exact Bible that he was asking for. He holds it to his chest and he says, Father, I am going to read this and devour it every day like a hungry child. That was just incredible, the hunger of this young man. He's willing to do anything to get a Bible. And the thing is, this is not an isolated event. There are so many people around the world where they don't have access to Bibles like we do, who are willing to do anything. You see these pictures here, these people here. As a house church in China, a knock on the door comes in, they open up a box, it's their very first Bible. They're not allowed to have Bibles. They go, oh my goodness, they hold it to their chest. They fall to their knees in gratitude. They've got tears running down their cheeks. Thank you, God, thank you, I need this Bible. And do you know what? I hear stories like this. You know, I read stories like Brother Ewan and I am challenged. I am massively challenged and I ask myself a question. Why do I not have the same hunger that these guys do for the Word of God? I don't know if you've asked that question, but I do a lot. Why don't I have the same level of hunger? And I think there's a number of reasons, but I think for the most part, I think it's actually very simple. They understand that this is not just any book. They understand that this is the very words of God written down in Scripture for us today. And that's what makes the difference. And if only we saw that. And my prayer today is that we'll understand what the Word of God is, that it's God's Word written down for us. Think about it. We have God, Almighty God, Yahweh, Creator of heaven and earth. He has spoken. He's spoken by His prophets, uh, by His Son, through His apostles. And these words are written down for us today. And I am thankful for faithful men, scribes, who have taken these uh, ancient manuscripts and they've copied them and they've preserved them for us today so we can actually read the words of God so we can connect with God and walk in His ways. I am thankful for God for that reason. And so since this is actually the words of God preserved today, it must be treated with absolute reverence and respect and honour. Yeah, you with me? Now, speaking to Keith out in the foyer today, we're talking about the fear of God. God's been challenging him with the fear of God. Oh, my goodness, we need the fear of God. We need the fear of God when it comes to his word because he is to be honoured. And if we're going to honour God the Father, we need to honour his word with the same level of reverence because you can't really separate the two. So the thing about this this word as the word of God is it not? it's not just... It's not just a document where men have written down as far as it comes from the minds of men. Its origin has always been God. In fact, um, in 2 Peter 1.20, as you can see there in the screen, it says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy, he's talking about Scripture, never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So written by imperfect people, but authored by a perfect and holy God. 
Or this next verse, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, a very popular verse when it talks about Scripture. It says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's why we need the Word of God to live a life in Christ. It says we need the Word to teach us. Right, teach us about God and instruct us for living. We need it to rebuke us if we step out of line. It's here to correct us, our mindsets, maybe our misunderstanding of, of God. Uh, and it trains us to live a life of righteousness through good works. So if we're going to live a life following after Christ and obey the Great Commission and making disciples, we need the Word of God to train us for righteousness. Okay, This is powerful, absolutely powerful. But that first part, all Scripture is God-breathed. I love that term. And I'm glad that um, they've used that term, a lot of the translators. It basically means divinely inspired. But I love that phrase that many of them have chosen to use because it reminds me of back in the garden with uh, Adam when God created man. He, he created Adam from the dust and he breathed into Adam and he became a living being. And in the same way, God has breathed on the pages of Scripture when men who were carried by the Holy Spirit wrote these words down, and that's what makes it alive. Church, this book is alive. Amen? It is absolutely alive. First Peter 1.23 says it's the living and enduring Word of God. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul, spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. God's word is alive. And as we can see, has the power to change us from the inside out. As I said, this is not just a book. It's so much more than that. It is the word of God. Do you know, I... Um, I always remember when I was maybe about six or seven years of age. My brother comes into my room and he says, Hey, Cal, I've got a bit of a, a magic trick I want to show you. Come follow me. So I, I follow him into the lounge room and my sister's already sitting on the ground waiting. So I join her. And he says, Hey, I'm going to... And he pulls out this uh, little pocket dictionary, a little red pocket dictionary. He says, this is our dictionary. It was the one that we used in our house. Not very often, but it was a book and you've got to look after your books. He says, I am going to rip the pages of this dictionary out. And we're going, no, you can't, mum and dad won't let you do that. You can't rip the pages out of that book. He goes, ha, let me show you. And he turns around and as he turns around, I didn't know, but he swaps that little red dictionary with a little red Gideon's um, Bible, little pocket Bible. All right. He does that, but he gets the Bible and he starts ripping the pages of the Bible, throwing it out like this. Now, we think it's a dictionary going, you can't do that. Mum's going to get so mad and, and don't do that. And he comes out and says, ha, it wasn't the dictionary. The dictionary is in place. No worries. And we said, what was it? He goes, oh, it's just this little Gideon's Bible. Don't worry about it. And throws it away. And I thought, wow, I've never forgotten that. Four decades later. Then my brother did that. But you know what's interesting? I was more concerned that the pages of the dictionary were ripped out than the Bible, the pages of the Bible being ripped out and discarded. Now, I understand there's complete ignorance. We didn't come from a Christian family. We didn't even think about God. Okay, so why would we value a small little Gideon's Bible? Who cares? That's what we were thinking. 
But I'm so glad that we have a merciful God who overlooked my ignorance because I tell you what, this is a book that we should honour. This is God's word. We can't treat it with disdain. We cannot mishandle it. We shouldn't use it as a weapon against anybody. Husbands, wives, if you've got a heated argument, please don't pull out the Bible and use scripture against them to support your cases. Ha, gotcha. Don't do that. The only time you use it as a weapon is if the enemy comes against you and becomes a sword of the spirit, the word of God. If it's everybody else, it's love and truth. We should never take it out of context, especially when you teach the Bible. Don't take it out of context. If you ever had conversation with somebody you retell a story and then they tell someone a story and it's like they've taken your words out of context it's a whoa 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 I didn't mean that when I said that you can't twist my words like that hey guess what God doesn't like it either when we misrepresent him we take his word out of context it's so valuable that we understand his word so basically what I'm trying to get us to understand today is that these scriptures are so important Uh, God wants to change your life. God wants to connect with you. God wants to build your faith. God wants to instruct you how to live a life in him, how to worship him better. And what we need in order to do that is this. So how specifically do we do that? The time that we're going to have uh, left this morning, I want to share with you three things that the word of God can do in our lives. Now, obviously, there are more than three things. There are numerous points that I could say, and I could have scripture references supporting each point. But we haven't got time, so I'm going to just share three that I believe will be helpful for you today. All right? My first point is, God's word has the power to save. I love that. God's word has the power to save. There is a reason why the authorities try and ban this book. Because the devil does not want people to know the God of this book. Because he knows that people's lives can be saved through the word of God. It's that powerful. And it's not just saving people outside the church. It's actually saving people inside the church. And let me explain what I mean by that. You see, when the Bible talks about salvation, it usually talks about it in three ways. Past tense, present tense, future tense. Okay, So for example, Paul and the other apostles would say things like, well, in Christ we are saved because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's past. But we are also being saved. That's present tense. And one day we will be saved. That's future tense. And if you want to use three biblical words, you've got justification, sanctification, glorification. And that you find, Scripture tells us that God's word is powerfully working in each of these aspects of salvation. So, for example, James 1.18, it says he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. He chose to give us birth through the word. Now, what's birth? Birth is spiritual rebirth. That's been born again. So here, okay, just stay with me here. Here it says there's through God's word that we're born again. It's like the the reference to 1 Peter before when it says the imperishable word. We're born again through the imperishable word, which is a living, enduring word of God. And that is saying we're born again through the word. Now, I don't know about you, but that messes with my brain a little bit. Because I always thought that people are born again through faith in Jesus. 
Are we saying that people aren't born again with faith in Jesus? Absolutely not. The Bible is clear that yes, people are born again and saved through faith in Jesus. Ephesians 2.8 says that. We're not saved by works, but by grace through faith. So you put your faith in Jesus. That's what saves you. But what does Romans 10.17 say about faith? It says faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by... So we can see the powerful word... Uh, at work in salvation. The word comes to us, it produces in us faith, and it's by faith that we're saved. So this is what I'm saying. This is powerful, this word for salvation. And then you go back to James, and just a few verses later he says these words. He says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent, and humbly accepting the word, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Right now he's speaking to Christians. Humbly accept the word planted in you that can save you. In other words, God's word is planted in the heart of the believer that has the power to save us from the moral filth that sometimes we find in our lives. So you have the word that produces faith, that brings salvation, and you have the word already planted in our hearts, has the power to continually save us, that is to make us holy and pure and righteous and ultimately to become like Jesus. So let's not underestimate the power of God's word and salvation. It changes our eternal destinies. Uh, that's the first point. The second point is God's word is a safeguard against sin. <laughs> this is a good one. Just so you know, all three are good, but... God's word is a safeguard against sin. Those of you who have children here, why do you want your kids to obey your instructions? Why do you put boundaries in place? Because they're a safeguard for them. You don't want them to wander outside those boundaries because you know if they do, it's going to become detrimental to them. The same is true for God's word. It's a safeguard against the dangers of sin. 1 John 2.1, the apostle says, My dear children, I write this to you, which ends up being scripture. I write these words to you so that you will not sin. Right? It is clear from scripture that God's desire is for us to walk in righteousness and holiness and resist sin. And if God hates sin that much, we must learn to hate sin as well. Not let it have any place in our lives. Okay? Right? We're, we're born again. We were led by sin. But now we're led by Christ. We were uh, being led by the flesh. But now because Jesus died on the cross for our sins, we say no to their sinful lifestyle and we follow after Jesus. All right, so we must continue to walk in his grace, walk in his favour, resist sin. And the one thing that's going to help us, or one thing that's going to help us, is to stay on the path and that is to hold to his word. Psalm 119.11, got a lot of verses here, which makes sense, I guess. Um, he says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. <laughs> In other words, I cherish your word. I hold on to your word. Why? Because it's a safeguard against sin and temptation. And some of you here today, and I say this with love, some of you, you give in to sin a little bit too easy. You know, you find yourself always tripping up over the same things day in, day out, and you're sick of it and you think, I'll never get over this. Why can't I get over this weakness? 
Now, if that's your story, can I suggest something today? As you go to the cross and you lay it down, you ask for God's forgiveness and God's grace, can I encourage you this week, increase your level of reading your Bible. It's as simple as that. Why don't you do that? If you go, I have this frustration in my life. I can't seem to kick it. Well, God's word is truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. In John chapter 17, he says, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So God's word is truth that sets us free on the inside. So how about we increase our reading of God's word and see what happens? Feed on God's word. See what happens. So maybe just get up, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes earlier than what you normally do and spend time seeking God, knowing he wants to talk to you. Or at the end of the day, find a slot there. Or the middle of the day, it doesn't really matter. Just make that commitment to increase your time with God's word and see what happens. Anyone who devours the word of God is less likely to be distracted, right? So just increase your time with him. And who knows, maybe when you read the Bible, you might see something and go, wow, I've never seen that before. Oh, and God gives you this revelation based on what you've seen in Scripture. Or maybe something does not jump off the page, but that's okay. I really believe that God's at work because you're being obedient. You're getting truth into your heart. And as I said, you're focused and you're less likely to be distracted and to fall into sin. So that's my encouragement to you today. Don't just beat yourself up all the time saying, I'll never get over this. I'll never get over this. I'm not perfect. All that kind of stuff. All the stuff Kylie said this morning. Don't beat up on yourself. Don't condemn yourself. Say, Lord, I want you to teach me. I want you to change me. And this is your truth. So I dedicate myself to it. You follow me? Is this good? Good. And that leads to my third one here. God's word nourishes our soul. (laughs) God's word nourishes our soul. If you see up on the screen there, I've got a picture of this uh, young person in uh, the rubbish dump. They live there. And, uh, and this happens in, in many parts of the world. And um, what a lot of these kids do is they go through the rubbish dump and they're looking for discarded food to eat. They're that hungry. And, you know, you look at something like that and, you know, we might look at that. You know, us in our very comfortable first world culture, we could have all the food we could ever want. We could look at something like that and go, how could you possibly do that? How could you put that in your mouth and swallow it? But the thing is, we don't understand what it means to be that hungry that we're willing to do the desperate. And when I think of that picture or see that picture, I'm reminded of Proverbs 27. It says this, A satisfied soul loads a honeycomb, but to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. In other words, some people's souls are so hungry that they'll feed on anything in order to fill it, that even the most bitter thing looks good to them. And it just goes to show that what we fill our souls with matters. If we try and fill our souls with the things of this world, thinking that it's going to satisfy it, we're going to be empty. It's a temptation, it's a distraction, it's a deception for the enemy. Don't do it. But if you fill your life with the truth of God's Word, you will be full. You will be satisfied, I guarantee it, because the Word says that. See, God wants our soul to prosper. He wants us to delight in Him. He wants us to have peace with Him. 
He wants us to have joy in Him. He wants us to have contentment in Him. But for our soul to be healthy, we've got to feed on truth, amen? We have to feed on truth. Jesus illustrated this perfectly. He was out in the wilderness, fasting for 40 days, 40 nights. He's weak, physically weak. The devil comes to him and tempts him. He says, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus says in response, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And he's making a parallel there. Just as food nourishes the body, God's Word nourishes the soul. So let His Word nourish your soul today. Let His Word nourish the deepest part of who you are. Put put your burdens at His feet. Share with Him what you're going through. Now, First Peter says that cast your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. He wants to know what's going on. He wants you to pour out His heart to Him, put it at the foot of the cross. But also position yourself in a place where you receive. God wants to minister to you. The Father loves you. The Father wants to minister to you. And the great way He does it, He does it through this. This is truth. These are the promises of God. It nourishes our soul. Remember, all Scripture is God-breathed. Genesis right through to Revelation. Even the hard parts, God's put it in there for a reason. All Scripture is God-breathed, so read it. Why don't you read the words of the Proverbs to help you grow in wisdom? Why don't you read the Psalms, the Psalms of Thanksgiving, but also the Psalms of Lament, because that's divinely spied as well. Read the narratives of the Old Testament and, and, and learn about God's power and His holiness and His grace and His love to His people. Read the epistles of the New Testament to train us and help us and instruct us about how to live a life in Christ. And of course, read the Gospels that show us about Jesus, what He said, what He did and how amazing He is. Because no one can come to the Father except through the Son. He is amazing. Read the Gospels, read the Word. My prayer is that we will go deeper in God's Word in 2023 and beyond. This is why I'm excited about this message. And I really believe that God is doing something. I've only been at this church for just over a year with my family. And from the moment that we walked in the door to now, I've seen a shift. I don't know if it's me. I don't know if you guys can testify to that. But there's been a bit of a shift. The hunger for the Word of God, the hunger for the presence of God. And again, sorry to harp on it again, Kylie, but I loved it how Kylie led because she has a heart that's pure. You can tell. It just flows from her. We need that. We need that integrity. We need that impurity. And we need to honour God and His Word. And I really feel like God's doing something here. And so it's exciting. It's exciting to be part of this church and what He's doing. And I can't wait for the future. So in closing, there's two things that I want to, sorry, two kinds of people that I want to quickly pray for. Uh, The first group of people, I want to pray for those of us here who want to make a greater commitment to God and His Word. You know, to, to, to go deeper, to search for those deep spiritual truths, right? So I'm going to pray for those people, but I'm also going to pray for those here who don't have a relationship with Jesus. Now, I know Geordie just raised it before, and maybe God was speaking to you back then, but I want to really pray for you today as well. 
you know, maybe you are searching. Maybe you come to church and you're kind of hearing people talk about this Jesus and you're kind of putting the things together. Or maybe you would actually say that you are a Christian, but you know deep down, you're not walking with Him. Deep down, you know there's no surrender. You're actually walked away from Him. I want to pray for you. In fact, I want each person to know that God absolutely loves you. Absolutely loves you more than you actually imagine. That He gave His Son to die on a cruel cross to pay for our sin, our wrongdoing. We turned our back on God. We were rebellious against our Saviour who loved us. But that separates us from a holy God and He does not want that to happen. So He says, I'm going to Send my son to pay for your sin, atone for your sin so you can be forgiven. And Jesus didn't just die and buried. He was rose again. And if anybody puts their faith in Jesus and what He accomplished in the cross and they turn away from their sinful ways and turn to Him and put their trust in Him and follow Him, then the Bible says, as Geordie said before, you are a new creation. (laughs) It is a new day when that happens. Now you're free to worship God. When we were bound in sin, we were not free to worship God. We were unable to. We had to have someone from the outside come in and save us. And that's Jesus. And He's done that for us. So if you make that step towards Him and you say, Lord, I confess my sin. I'm going to turn away from living my life my own way. I'm going to put my faith and trust in You. He says, great. Let me come into You. Let me change You and transform You and make You a new creation. Isn't that exciting? Having a deep abiding relationship with Jesus is the most important thing that anyone could ever do. And that's why I really want to pray for you. Now, I could lead you in a prayer right now, but I'm not going to. Because I want you to think about it. And if you are really serious saying, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. I'm actually going to step out. I'm going to put my whole life away. I'm going to pursue Jesus with everything. Then I'll be waiting down here at the front. Just come and chat to me. I'd love to have a chat with you. I'll go through the gospel, talk about things and weigh up the cost. I don't want to say a prayer and not get you to understand what the cost is. But once you know what the cost is, you know that what you have in Jesus is so much better than what you've given up. So like I said, I'll be down the front here. But let me pray. Can we bow our heads? Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You that You're here and I thank You that You're moving over this place. I thank You, Lord, that Your Word has the power to save lives. Jesus said, sanctify them by Your truth. Your Word is truth. I'm asking, Lord, that You'll sanctify our hearts, that You'll purify our hearts, that You'll give us a hunger, Lord, for You and Your Word. I pray, Father, that You would just come upon us right now. For those of us here who acknowledge that Your Word is powerful, that Your Word is from You and Your Word is honoured and revered, I pray, Lord God, that You will honour them and that You would give them that hunger and the discipline it takes to spend time with our Saviour, Lord, because I know that when we spend time in Your presence and seek You and love You and worship You, our lives are radically changed. 
So I pray, Lord, for a supernatural transformation, a supernatural power to work within us and a desire for Your Word, Lord God. And we will hear testimony after testimony about what You are teaching Your people so that we can be built up in Christ and that we will reflect You so beautifully together as the body of Christ, Your church, Your bride. We will shine beautiful because You are sanctifying us by Your Word. I also pray right now, Lord, in the Name of Jesus, for those here who don't yet have a life-giving relationship with Jesus. Father, whether they've walked away and ignored You or whether they have not bowed the knee for the very first time, I'm praying for them right now. Lord, would You stir them? Would You give them that courage, Lord, to come and ask more? And that they would bow the knee and see that Jesus, You are so loving, You gave Yourself for me. I want to give myself to You. We thank You for this time, we pray in Jesus' Name. Amen. Is God not good? As I said, I will be hanging around here. If you say, I want to know more, Cal, about Jesus and the God that you speak about, come speak to me. I would love to have a chat with you. Um, For the rest of us, grab that coffee. Thank you for your time. Uh, God bless you and we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Cheers.